Our first reading is from Exodus chapter 17, verses 3 through 7. We'll be reading from the New International Translation. But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Today is a community Sunday, uh, which means students and Kairos kids, you are invited to stay in here uh, as together we worship in uh, this service this morning. So Pastor Sharon and I will be uh, leading this together for the next few minutes, and uh, we promise to make it fun. We might even have a little game later on, so that's cool. Um, But today we're continuing our series in the book of Exodus. As we've been tracking the Israelites in their time wandering in the wilderness, in this kind of in-between time, between slavery in Egypt and into the promised land. And so um, I've noticed that strange things happen to us when we're hungry. Would anybody agree? So uh, maybe you've been in this circumstance before. You've been sitting in class or sitting in an important meeting or whatever, and all of a sudden, like, that churning goes on in your tummy, and it sounds like there's a cave troll in the room, but no, it's just your stomach because you're hungry, right? Has anybody been there before, like, at the most inopportune time ever, right? Or um, parents, you know this, like, kids start acting weird when, uh, when they're hungry. Any, any parent want to attest to that? Yeah. And then you just, like, give them a snack, and, like, life is good again, right? Um, but... I think that there's like this term that we, we throw around, I don't know, it got like popular a couple years ago, hangry, right? Everybody knows what, what happens when you get hangry, right? Um, you're hungry and angry, you become hangry. Um, but there's also th- this thing called um, fangry. You get angry when you're thirsty. I didn't know it, but uh, that is actually a thing as well too. So um, our text this morning explores two different scenarios in this wilderness, this wilderness time. The first is when the people are thangry, they're thirsty, and the second is when the people are hangry, when they are super hungry. And so Exodus 17.5 says this, it mentions Moses and his uh, shepherd's staff, um, and it uh, is talking about the ways in which this staff is really a symbol of God's provision. Uh, Maybe you know the story of Moses at the burning bush when um, God told Moses to throw down his staff and it became a snake and then he picked it back up and it turned back into his staff. Or maybe you know um, when, when, Pharaoh, uh, when Moses was in front of Pharaoh and he had his staff, right? And that was the this, this symbol that God was on the side of the Hebrew people, that God was urging Pharaoh to let his people go. Or maybe you remember the story of when Moses strikes the water and, uh, in Egypt and it becomes blood in the Nile. Uh, or in today in our story when um, this staff is instructed by God to Moses uh, to, to strike the rock and the rock begins to pour out water. So there's something about this staff uh, that begins to be the symbol of God's provision. God had unquestionably showed up 
unquestionably been at work, and unquestionably he had been faithful to the Hebrew people, this staff as a tangible reminder of how God always provided a way of hope, a way of safety and security for his people. And yet, did you catch the the question that they ask in this passage today? These Hebrew people, after all of this that they've experienced, all of God's faithfulness, they ask, is the Lord among us or not? You can have a, a little slide to give that demonstration. Is the Lord among us or not? This question that these that the Hebrew people ask. And, and really, I think, for us, maybe it seems like a silly question. Of, of course God was with you. But, again, we do silly things or dumb things when we're hungry or thirsty. They were without water. They were super thirsty, seemingly to be in this desert out there to just die of thirst. They were thangry, and they remember that God was with them, and yet they forgot that. Or they were unaware. And so they asked, is God really with us? Does God really care about us? The Israelites, in this circumstance, are doubting God. Has anybody ever had any type of doubt before? I think all of us can relate to doubt in some form or another. And yet, doubt shows up oftentimes. And in this circumstance, the question is, what's God's next move going to be when doubt arises? I think truly doubt gets a bad rap sometimes as being only negative, but I want to say this today as I put my youth pastor hat on for a second, um, especially with our students. But as a church, doubt is not always a bad thing. Doubt is one of the most powerful aspects of our faith, one of the most powerful aspects of following Jesus. And that's proven in the wilderness. Of course, there were times in the wilderness where God gets angry and frustrated because of the people's doubt. But did you notice that he never abandons his people? Instead of punishing the people when doubt arises, God listens and then he acts. Sometimes doubt shows up because What we see or experience, even in our own lives, just doesn't add up. Do I really belong here? Does God really love me? Does this church even care about people who are suffering? Will my friend really be welcome in this place? Sometimes doubt shows up simply because we lose faith in something. So on September 1st, the Mariners were in fourth place, and everyone, yes, everyone, even you, doubted that they would make the playoffs. Yes, uh, yeah, even the Fairweather fans, even those like long-time diehard fans, right? Everyone. And so um, check this out. Less than 10,000 people um, really regularly show up to a Mariners game, even in, during COVID, beyond COVID. And all of a sudden, in the last two weeks, the Mariners have won 11 of the last 13 games. Anybody been paying attention to this? And so the people's doubt all of a sudden turned to wonder. Could it possibly happen? Could these Mariners make the playoffs? So look at these attendance numbers from this week. Okay, on Monday, 11,000 people. Yeah, pretty standard, right? Tuesday, 12,000 people. Oh, tension begins to build, right? Wednesday, 17,000 people, right, at T-Mobile Park. Wow, we're throwing parties. Does anybody know how many people were there uh, Friday night? Probably not COVID safe. Definitely not COVID safe. Uh, 
a whopping 44,000 people show up out of nowhere, right? Was anyone one of those? No. But, and then last night, 44,414 uh, 44, people. Yeah, we even got our belief signs. You were there then, Julie, so you were one of them. <laughs> right? So when doubt is there, and when something starts to happen, we begin to wonder, could it be? Just like we've experienced in our state these last few weeks, the same experiences that the Hebrew people were wondering. So God shows up in miraculous ways, and yet the people of Israel are still wondering, is God really here? Doubt is so important. It's part of learning to follow Jesus on our own. And, uh, and so as a church, as a community, uh, I think that our call is to, to embrace the doubt. Because oftentimes, this doubt can be an experience that is transformative. And, and doubt isn't a bad thing, but what is important is what you do with that doubt. What you do with it. And, and what the people, the Hebrew people do in this circumstance, instead of burying it, or instead of just completely walking away from God, they cry out, and God responds. They cry out to God, and God responds, but they also cry out to Moses. They share with other people. They process their frustration, their fangriness, with other people, other Hebrew people, and all of a sudden, indeed, God shows up again. And so this water from a rock is this symbol of provision. But I want to remind you that we have this living God, Jesus Christ, that embodies this same hope that the Hebrew people experienced there. I want to remind you this morning that we have access to this living God through Jesus Christ. Hear these words where Jesus is playing off of this theme of water and provision. He said, uh, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Just as the mariners have uh, allowed a lot of us to turn doubt into wonder and maybe a little bit of hope, so too does God in these circumstances of doubt. When we invite God into, the, into this doubt and when we invite other people into this doubt and bring it to God, God continues to transform our doubt and show up in the times, time and time again, through his provision. And so uh, we've been talking a little bit about this water as a symbol, but um, we have another passage that actually has uh, this symbols of, of bread. And so we're going to play a little game, okay? We promise we're playing a little game. Uh, we're playing a game called This or That. We played it before as students, all right? So it's really simple. You either choose this or that, all right? Got it? Everybody good? Okay, so um, first question. It might be simple, but some people have like really strong opinions with, about this. Who's like, I, when I drink water, I don't want any ice. Or who's like, when I have water, I always want ice water. Who's like, I'm totally no ice. No ice ever. Okay. This is overwhelmingly, like, I don't know, this 80%. Who's like, I don't, I love ice. Ice, what? Okay. Some people voted twice. There's like a lot of hands up here. Maybe, uh, maybe we don't have such strong opinions, but this one I know we have stronger opinions. Um, Pastor Sharon. Oops. So water, so still water, or bubbly water? LaCroix or, or still water? What do, you, what do you like? Definitely LaCroix. Oof. It just satisfies a little bit okay. more. And especially if there's no ice in the water. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. 
Any, anybody else? Uh, who, who's like, no, I like the still water. Still water. The, okay, now we got like some, uh, some, some stuff happening. Uh, how, who's like, I am LaCroix all day, every day. Like, I prefer that. Yes. Well, not as many people. Okay. Anna, I know that you're in that club, so that's, that's good. Um, okay, how about this one? We're going to be talking about bread, too. Who is like, sandwich, I am all day, every day going white bread. Anybody like white? Yes. Okay, all three of you. That's great. So um, how about the wheat bread people? Who is like, yep, sandwich, we're going wheat bread. Okay, yes. Thank you. There we go. Um, okay, and then the last one. Pastor Sharon, when we're at, yeah. uh, you know, like sit down for um, fajitas or yeah, maybe Mexican re- restaurant, you got the option of corn tortillas or flour tortillas. What are you going for? You know, I should say corn because they say it's better for you, but I always go for the flour oh. ones. Flour, sorry. What do we got? Who's, who's joining Pastor Sharon? Who's going flour? Is anyone on Team Corn? Okay, good. I'm joining Team Corn too. So we, we have these symbols of, of water and bread in the ways in which they continue to unfold as symbols of provision. Um, Let's continue with our passage as we hear Izzy read the second part. Our second reading continues in the book of Exodus, chapter 16, verses 2 through 8. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other day. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. So we are talking about provision. And for those of us who have the the privilege of actually choosing between LaCroix and water, right? We maybe don't understand the part of hunger that was read about in this passage, or hangry, as Pastor Mark said. Did you know that, really, the term hangry has scientific uh, evidence behind it? Because when your blood sugar goes down, the hormones that, a cascade of hormones come in, and you, cortisol, which is like the stress hormone, and adrenaline, which is the fight-or-flight hormone, and so there really is something physical going on in us when we're hungry, But it also, and researchers have done this on the term hangry, they also say that when we feel that unpleasant, you know, like Mark talked about your stomach kind of churning and all of that, it is very easy for us to interpret that unpleasantness as something that's going on around us, like it's that person's fault or the situation. We have this sense of we're hangry and it makes everything look bad. And that's kind of what happened with these Israelites in this chapter, in this passage from Exodus 16, 2 through 8. 
they were really short on food. I mean, they really were. If you look at that passage before, they come out of this wonderful place of um, palms and an oasis, and now they were without food. And so they start grumbling about their situation, and they say to Moses, if only, if only, Moses, if you had just left us in Egypt, it would have been better to die there because slavery was bad, but the eating, the eating was really good. And I'd like to go back there now because I had pots of meat and all the food I wanted and why not just let me go there rather than starve in the desert? Now we can be pretty, um, we can be pretty, you know, uh, judging. We point at the Israelites and say they shouldn't have been grumbling. But we, we have to recognize God actually invites us. Mark talked about it too when he talks about doubt. He invites us. Look at the Psalms when they cry out to God, when they complain about what they need. This murmuring, this grumbling, it was legitimate. They really needed food. And so looking at that, we can't just downplay and say, horrible, they should have trusted God and not grumbled. No, the problem is not that they grumbled. The problem was that they didn't believe. But God tells Moses right away, I'm going to provide for these people. Verse 4 of chapter 16 says it this way, I will rain down bread from heaven. Rain down bread. I remember a book our kids read when they were little called um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Have you ever seen that one? And things did rain down from heaven, but not in this way. Because when this came down, the people, this unique bread that came down from heaven, the people looked at it and they didn't know what it was. In fact, the term manna in Hebrew just means, what is it? What is it? It looked like white coriander seeds, um, kind of flaky that they picked together. It tasted like crackers with maybe some honey on it. And they would gather it together. And so God said, this is what I'm going to provide for you. Something to meet the hangry needs of your body. But with the provision, there came a testing of their faith. The Lord says this, even as he's describing it to Moses, I will test them in this. This isn't a test like you're, um, you know, check it off, are you in or you're out. This kind of test is a proving of faith. Are you going to be able to trust me? God is the one who always pours out provisions for Israel, for us. And in that provision comes an opportunity for us to prove our faith, to say we have an ultimate trust in God. And he gave them guidelines, didn't he? They were pretty clear. You go out in the morning and you gather your manna um, just for the day. You eat it all in that day. Don't save anything for tomorrow. And on the sixth day, I want you to gather a double portion because on the Sabbath, you're going to rest to remember that I'm the provider. You know, and early when they got these uh, guidelines at the first, at the beginning, they didn't have a reason. They weren't given the reason why they had to do it that way. They just had to trust God, that God was going to know what they needed. Well, we know some of them didn't. They didn't obey the guidelines kind of gross when you read it in the scripture they kept some ate what they wanted thought i better keep some till morning and by the morning it was smelly and full of maggots not too appetizing right this proving of their faith 
It was so that they would know it was the Lord. Did you catch that twice in that passage? They will know that it is the Lord that provides it, Moses says, and God says to Moses. When the bread's there in the morning, and if you read more, they they even got the meat they wanted. The meat came in the evening in the form of quails. When that shows up, I want you to know it is the Lord who's doing that. Their obedience in receiving the provision according to God's requirements was the proof that they fully trusted God. So the grumbling for bread, what were they grumbling about? Will you know? Will they know it's the Lord who provided it? Will they receive it according to his requirements? In the complaining for water, the need for water, the question was, is the Lord among us? So even in the midst of doubts and uncertainties and real needs, God meets them where they're at. And he provides abundantly. In fact, we know from the scriptures that this manna showed up every morning throughout their wilderness journey, 40 years. For those of you who are 40 years old or more, just think every morning the manna is there for you. God provides. And God does the same for us, friends. Provides for us, and in that provision comes a test of faith. Now, like I said, most of us don't have to worry that this afternoon when you go to your pantry or open the fridge, that there's not going to be anything there. We don't usually face that in our culture. Or kids, if you say to your parents, I I need a snack, they're not going to say, sorry, I don't have anything. We don't face that same kind of need. But we just as much are dependent on God's provision. Everything you and I have received to be in this space this morning is it is the Lord who has provided it. Think of the the food you had this morning, the cup of coffee, the home you came from, the the clothes you've given, the health you have, the relationships that bless you. It is the Lord who provides these. And do we really acknowledge that? Do we just assume it's going to be there? I, I, you know, or I did it myself. No, there's a test in every provision. And this is the, one of the ways we have of saying it. That receiving God's provisions, as you and I have this day, becomes a daily test of obedience. Now what do I mean by that? Israel obeyed by having to gather in the right way. What might our tests of obedience be in the provisions we've been given? Let me suggest there's several. How about the test of gratitude? The test of gratitude, I don't mean just before a meal saying, thank you God for this food, or that's a beautiful, at least a rhythm of it. But there's so many more ways that we can say, I know this is the Lord who did this. This is from the Lord. And he is gracious, and we must be grateful. Then there's the test of enough. You know, the Israelites found out that if they took more than they needed, it would rot. We also have a test of enough. I mean, when is enough enough? Have you ever asked yourself that? In your portfolio, in the clothes you have in your closet, in the cars you own, how much is enough? You know, we have to remember there's no need to hoard 
There's no, yes, we plan for the future financially. That's a wisdom that's in the scripture. But we are not to hoard things so that we can hold on to something and make sure, oh, that no, that won't be quite enough. I need more, I need more, I need more. So one of the tests of God's provision is to say, for this day, this is enough. And I will give thanks to God. And of course, there's the test of sharing. Whatever God has provided for you as a family, as an individual, whatever he's provided for us as a church, are we holding on to it? Are we hoarding it? Are we trying to keep it safe so nothing will happen to it? Or do we hold it with open arms? To say, God, this is what you've entrusted to me, and I'm going to share it. And I'm going to invest it in things that are important to you. The test of sharing is another one of God's provision. Do we have that readiness in whatever way to give generously out of what has been given to us? God is a provider for you and I. And as Mark read too from Jesus' words about the being a provider, a Jesus of living water, we see the same thing. We know God provided manna in the wilderness for the Israelites. And Jesus says when he meets needs for hunger, there's much more than that. Remember, of course, the time when he fed more than 5,000 people with just a small amount of food and he broke it and they ate and they were filled and there was stuff left over. But after that, people were asking for more signs and Jesus says, you don't need more signs of bread. Let me give you a more miraculous, a more permanent sign, provision for your life. This is how Jesus says it in John chapter 6. He says to these people, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. In that he's saying, Even in the desert, it wasn't Moses who did it, right? It is the Lord who provided. This too, the Father gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives light to the world. We know later Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Life for us, provision for us is in Jesus Christ. Yes, provision that he gives for our food and our our everyday needs and water, but true bread from heaven, living water that Jesus alone can give. That's what we need to nourish us. All around us, the world is filled up with other things. But we who belong to Jesus Christ point to Christ and say, you are true bread, you are living water. And that holy food, that holy drink is still raining down on us, friends. It nourishes our souls and it'll keep meeting us right where we are. You know, today we come to the communion table and this is a space where we definitely see that God is a provider. At the table, hangry and thangry people, hungry and thirsty people are welcomed. They're welcomed with their doubts. They're welcome with their needs. You and I come just as we are, even with grumblings we might have. And God says, you're welcome at this table. But we also come in humility. We come that we, recognizing we failed many times, this test of obedience with God's provision. 
but we come forgiven. Hallelujah, we come forgiven, welcomed, filled up again with the very life of Jesus that nourishes us. So we are going to be sharing communion together. And before we do so today, I want us to say together this liturgy of confession. And as we do so, I invite you to stand. I will read the leader part and you respond. This is our way of preparing our own hearts, a test of our obedience in coming to the table and receiving bread and water, bread and cup that God's provided. So let's say this together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. You may be seated. As we approach this table together, this is indeed a table of provision, a table where we come with nothing and yet God meets us here through the body and the blood of Christ. We're met in the provision of forgiveness of sins. We're met with a new identity and with a new hope and a future. And so as we gather around the table today together, um, whether you're with us or online, we'll um, have the words of institution and then we'll come receive the elements, hang on to them, and then we'll partake together once everyone has them. Um, we also have some fruit for any of our kids, our Kairos kids who have not been instructed in communion. You can come forward and we'll uh, give a blessing over you as well. And so as we approach this table, um, would you come with the posture of receiving only what Jesus Christ is able to offer? So here again, the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples back then and speaks to us today, his followers. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembering me. In the same way, after dinner, he took the cup and he poured the, the wine into the cup and he said, this is my body which is broken for you and poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And so whenever you're ready, Pastor Sharon and I will be up front. Um, you're invited to come receive these elements. And um, take a moment if you need to, to reflect and to uh, contemplate where God has you in this space now. But uh, whenever you are ready to come forward, the table is open. Let's just pray before we come. Lord, the giver of life, provider of all we need, we come ready to receive you. Fill us up with your love and life. And we say thank you in advance in Jesus' name. Amen. God is your provider. And he wants to give you what you need for this week. So may you return with his provisions with gratitude 
and with a sharing heart. Go in that place in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.